There's some number of bottles with some brown stuff in them, so I'm not sure. Probably not moonshine. I don't think they'd waste the moonshine on me. And for, I don't know what, four and a half, five hours uh, inside of that stadium, man, it was absolutely electric. Um, our fans showed out in, in, in a great way. It's, uh, and I'm going to be honest, man, that's why I wanted to be here. Um, because I believe in the power of the T. I believe in, in this university, believe in this athletic department. And I believe in, in uh, this fan base, man. And uh, tonight was a great showcase of that. Can a defensive player win the Heisman? And you've got so many good ones. Is there one that you all could promote? You know, I don't I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I would probably have said before the season that's impossible because statistics lead you to believe that it's always going to be an offensive player. We don't really care. We let you guys decide that. And uh, I respect it, but it's not something that we look for. And I'll be honest with you, the guys on our team are so bought into their roles. And as long as they do that, we'll keep getting better. We had a play call. We called timeout. We changed play. <laughs> Did you see something you didn't like? Or? <laughs> you want to know the truth? I'm yeah. not going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Again, two questions. Who's your quarterback moving forward, and uh, how do you explain that run defense? Yeah, uh, those are two really good questions. Uh, no, it was, it was horrible communication, I would say, is what I, how I would evaluate what that was. I mean, it's it's a nice way to put it, and I'm sure that if you you know wrote it that way in the article that they'd appreciate it, but that's, uh, I can't say that that's 100% factually correct. You know, I'm trying to establish uh, a culture, I'm trying to recruit great players, and we can't skip steps. And I would have liked to, and I thought maybe we could have, and maybe I got the fan base too excited um, and, and thought maybe we could skip that step. But we can't. We can't skip a step. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm normally joined by the Tennessee Hover, but Cousin Shane still can't get him on the line this time. He does have a good excuse. He's stuck at work. So I do apologize. He'll, Shane, will be back for our Friday's Picks podcast. And, you know, honestly, when I found out Shane couldn't be here, I almost didn't do the show. But, hey, I, tra- I did that last week, and there was a mini revolt. So I got to give you guys the SEC content like you deserve. Not a ton to talk about, to be honest with you. You got so many teams on a bye this week in the SEC. But, We do have some news and nuggets to get to, so I didn't want to go a day without uh, giving you guys a show. So, and hey, before we get rolling here, don't forget prizepicks.com, proud sponsor of the show, Daily Fantasy Action over there at Prize Picks. I know the NBA is getting going now, so that's just another sport you can get in on the Daily Fantasy Action over at prizepicks.com. And don't forget to use that promo code SEC to get you up to $100 bonus, initial deposit bonus for everybody that signs up at prizepicks.com. That's a terrific way to help the show grow. But, uh, hey, on with the show. And as always, we like to start with something funny if we can. And the best thing I saw, how about this Eli Manning, man? We all know Peyton as the Joker. Well, Eli, he's a pretty good troll himself. Throw it up here on the YouTube. And if you're just listening, Eli Manning tweeted out a picture of Peyton Manning on the golf course wearing all his Tennessee gear and the caption 
Not sure who threw that golf ball. Quoting Peyton Manning. <laughs> Though, hey, Eli knows how to troll just as well as Peyton. I just thought that was fantastic. You know, I cannot wait for uh, that Monday night football return. I think it's next weekend. Peyton and Eli will be back calling the Monday night action. So looking forward to that. I wonder, you got to believe Eli is going to bring some golf balls to that thing. But, hey, all with the show. And speaking of Tennessee, really I was waiting for Cousin Shane to discuss this one. But since uh, he is not showing up here, Big news on Rocky Top. Let's kick it on down to Knoxville where if you don't know if you've seen these, the latest allegations, I'll throw them up here on the screen from old Jeremy Pruitt's attorney. Uh-oh. We got some back and forth here. Of course, uh, you know, we all know the story by now. With all the allegations and all that and the Jeremy Pruitt era is why Tennessee is currently under investigation. Now, they have not received Notice of allegations at this point. Still, the uh, investigation continues, internal investigation, NCAA investigation. And when Tennessee fired Jeremy Pruitt, they fired him for cause and cited multiple level one violations. Those are the most severe violations. Brian Niedemeyer, the bag man, he was fired. Along with uh, Shelton Felton was also fired. So multiple coaches here fired, including the entire recruiting team down there at Tennessee. Everyone in the new, in the recruiting department now at Tennessee, completely new people because everybody had to get fired with Jeremy Pruitt. Now, old Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer, he's on a media campaign. He's making threats. Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer says the malfeasance goes well beyond Pruitt, before Pruitt, after Pruitt, all this stuff, other sports he's He's drug Philip Fulmer into this. He's drug Rick Barnes into this. Ooh, it's getting it's getting dirty over there. But Philip Fulmer, according to uh, Chris, these these comments come from Chris Lowe, the outstanding ESPN reporter. He has um, noted that Philip Fulmer released a statement. Jeremy has no one to blame but himself. He had a great opportunity at a great university, and he simply screwed it up. And Rick Barnes, who, you know, not one to fire a lot of shots here. He's got some shots for old Jeremy Pruitt. And, you know, I can't help but think, you know, the, <laughs> when, Je when old Jeremy, the gup was up there at Tennessee, I remember, you know, he used to use Rick Barnes as a recruiting tool and how the Tennessee basketball program was kicking ass, as he called it. And he would uh, take pride in that on the recruiting trail. Well, now he's calling him out. I, it's it's funny how the tables turn here, but uh, Rick Barnes got a response. And again, these are from Chris Lowe of ESPN. This is a quote from uh, Rick Barnes. I'll throw it up on the screen here so you can read it. I'm really disappointed that Jeremy would throw people's names around that he knows did nothing but support him the entire time he was here and make these unsubstantiated claims. I would invite the NCAA to come and to come in any day of the week to investigate our program. I have too much respect for our players, our school, and our administration for someone to ever think we're not doing things right here and make such ridiculous statements. Jeremy is not here because of the decisions he made and the way he led his program. Here's what I know. Our university has done everything it possibly can in working with the NCAA to clean up the mess he left behind and bring 
this to closure. And why this is so comical, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what is the, the lawyer really thinking here? Basically, their plan is, they're saying, you cannot fire, if you don't know, Jeremy Pruitt and his lawyer, they're, they're suing Tennessee currently, saying that uh, Pruitt deserves his buyout and he didn't break any NCAA rules, yet now they've come out, they set a deadline, I think it's October 29th, they're saying, pay the full buyout, buy this deadline, or we'll release all this violations that we ha- that we know that Fulmer and Rick Barnes and other coaches, he's, he cited Willie Martinez, who was under Butch Jones, who is now works for Josh Heupel. So how in the hell can Jeremy Pruitt sit here and say all these violations, yet I didn't do any? I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And what he's really trying to do is just strong arm the University of Tennessee and get him to pay his buyout, and he'll keep his mouth shut. So it's kind of a dirty tactic. It is what it is, but... I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Maybe there is information out there that Tennessee doesn't want. I always thought it was interesting that when Pruitt got fired, Fulmer had to step down. Of course, they hired Danny White to be the new AD. And, you know, they made it very clear time and time again. Fulmer, you know, we want to protect his legacy. He's not involved in all this. I find that hard to believe. I mean, I, he had to have known some things were going on. I'm not saying Fulmer was out here giving people money, but it was pretty clear they were trying to protect Philip Fulmer. And, you know, if he had done nothing wrong, I don't think he would have immediately just stepped down the way he did. Now, maybe he would have because he likes Tennessee, because he loves Tennessee so much and all these violations occurred under his watch. But it was pretty evident to me that, uh, they were doing what they can to protect Fulmer. So there may be, you know, a shred of validity here to what Pruitt had to say. But at the end of the day, I, it goes back to what I said. He's claiming he deserves his buyout. He didn't do anything wrong. Yet he's got dirt on what happened before him, what happened in the basketball program. I mean, how in the hell would he have dirt on the basketball program if he was not also – involved in creating violations, which, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, it's, that's just unfathomable to me. So, Hey, we'll see what comes of this, but, uh, just another day on Rocky top. You know what? And speaking of that, man, I've been waiting all week to talk about some Tennessee, Alabama, but, uh, Josh Heupel was on the, uh, coaches teleconference here on Wednesday, asked for an update on Hendon hooker. Let's kick it over to coach Heupel. I have to at least start with a Hendon Hooker question. Uh, how is he looking uh, throughout the the first half of this week, Coach? Yeah, uh, you know he's he's still day to day at at this point, um, getting some work uh, on the field. As as we get to the end of the week, we'll know if he'll be uh, available for this one. All right. So as you'd expect, no real news. He's not going to really give much information here for Nick Saban and company. But Hendon Hooker, day to day, whatever that means had to leave the Ole Miss game, did not come back in. But, man, one thing I got to get off my chest because I put this out there the moment uh, Josh Heupel said it, and I'm seeing so many Tennessee fans saying, let's rest him. We got to rest him up. We got to buy on the other side, get him for uh, the final stretch of the season. And I'm just sitting here shaking my head, and it's not because these people have confidence in Joe Milton. What it is, these people have no confidence that Tennessee can beat Alabama. 
And you may be laughing here because you may think Tennessee doesn't have a shot at beating Alabama. But, you know, let's make no mistake. This is historically one of the great rivalries in college football. And I think the thing most programs have to get over when they face Alabama is I think the vast majority of them don't believe they can beat the Crimson Tide. But I think that's what uh, teams like Texas A&M and Clemson and Ole Miss when they had their run over Alabama, LSU we've seen from time to time. I think uh, I think that may be missing from Georgia. It's the belief that you can beat Alabama as unlikely as it is on the field. I mean, you it all starts with belief. And I'm seeing this from so many people that uh, clearly they're just chalking up Alabama as an automatic loss. And I know the, the streak, I believe it's at 14 consecutive years. So, hey, you know, it's kind of fair for them to say that. But, you know, put some pride back in, in your name. This is the University of Tennessee. Did you not just see the game last week with, uh, you know, 104,000, whatever it is, packed in that stadium, checkerboarding? I mean, they're trying to bring back a winning culture. We got Theo Jackson out here this week talking about the culture changing inside the locker room. We've got the coaches bringing back positivity. Yet some of the fans need to get on board here, man. And this is ridiculous. Uh, you cannot win this game without Hendon Hooker. And who knows? I mean, just imagine, as unlikely as it is, I know the game's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, probably the second best team in the country. But if you were able to pull off the miracle upset, this kind of bullshit, and that's what it is, it's bullshit, you know, rested players because we can't win against Alabama, it all ends. You just need one monumental upset like this to get people back in believing that Tennessee can pull off these wins. And at this point, and maybe it's just a minority, and maybe I'm just seeing a, a couple people and I'm kind of overreacting to their comments, but... I mean, it's ridiculous. This, this is supposed to be one of the most prideful fan bases and programs in the country. And here people are wishing players to, to rest up so that maybe they got a chance against Kentucky and Vanderbilt. And I mean, come on, give me a break. You go full tilt against Alabama because that, that's what you need to win. You got to have that belief, but you're going to need your star players to do it too. And make no mistake, Hendon Hooker, believe it or not, People outside of Tennessee. Hendon Hooker's been one of the stars of college football this season, the way he's playing. So I just hate to see that. And I hope, uh, you know, Tennessee fans have a little bit more pride than what I'm seeing. And again, it's not all of them. It's, it, it is a minority to be sure, but I don't know. I just hate to see it. But speaking of that, let's go, let's kick it to the other side of this rival. Let's kick it on down to Tuscaloosa or Alabama. Obviously, the Crimson Tide rolling in on a wave of momentum after last week going on the road, beating Mississippi State by 40 points, 49 to 9, I believe was that final score. And now we're going, we're coming back home, got a ton of confidence, we're playing better after the Texas A&M defeat. And after watching that game, it certainly seems like Nick Saban's got his team buying into his message, letting them know, you know, they're not going to be given anything, they have to earn it. They got to take it on the field. And that's what they did against Mississippi State. Make no mistake. I mean, that defense, they took it from Mississippi State, literally. And the defense damn near knocked Will Rogers out of that game. They they hurt him pretty bad. 
and he was not the same. But this is that's the Alabama we're used to seeing. That's the Alabama we thought we were going to see, and at times we haven't seen it this year. So maybe Alabama's more dangerous than ever now that they've lost because they know their margin for error is gone. You cannot afford to overlook a team like Tennessee, something you probably would have done in the past. But again, I know they have a major, major talent advantage in this matchup. Hell, they just, I don't want to say stole, but uh, they acquired arguably Tennessee's best player during the offseason, Henry Toa Toa. And that's something uh, Coach Saban talked about, Henry T and his performance this season with the Crimson Tide. How, if at all, does that uh, play a factor in this game? Maybe Tennessee... I don't know. I would imagine a lot of those guys have no love for Henry T this week, even though it does seem like they have supported him since he left. But Saban gave an update on Drew Sanders' status, Byron Young's status on uh, Tennessee's offense and how difficult it's going to be to stop that group. And on Henry T here, as well as uh, on the backside of this, I was going to add during the uh, coaches' teleconference, Josh Heupel and Nick Saban talking about the rivalry between these two and where they see it in their eyes. Yeah. Hey coach, um, just seeing if you have an update on, on guys like Drew Sanders and Byron Young who've been dealing with injuries. <laughs> yeah. Byron Young has practiced. He practiced today. Um, you know, we're hopeful that he'll be able to contribute some in the game. Uh, Drew Sanders uh, is probably very doubtful for this game, uh, but we're hopeful that maybe he'll be, uh, with the bye week coming up and another week, um, it just depends, you know. I mean, they got to re-X-ray his wrist and make sure that everything is okay in there. And uh, we're we're hopeful that he'll be back for LSU. Tennessee has one of the better running uh, offenses in the nation. What makes them so effective or unique in that game? Well, I, I think that um, they go fast. Uh, so people have to get lined up and be ready to play. I think they got a really good runner. Uh, and I think their quarterback's ability to run, you know, contributes to that uh, in terms of quarterback run. So when they run the zone play, you know, he's very capable. If you try to cheat the end on the dive, quarterback's going to pull the ball. And, um, you know, they, they've been very effective at doing that. And they're very well coached. So uh, they don't usually do it and make bad plays. They usually do it and make very positive plays. So um, they've got quarterback runs. They've got quarterback draws. Um, they get you spread out and uh, run those plays, which is very challenging uh, for the people up front. So, um, and they've got ability to throw the ball. So you can't just say we're going to play the quarterback runs uh, because they made a lot of explosive plays in the passing game uh, because the vertical stretch of the field. And when they get you spread out, they'll spit it out there if you don't have enough guys out there and, you know, make positive plays as well. So this, this offense is uh, very challenging. You know, guys in the in the middle of the defense normally are that's sort of a guys especially call the defense that's sort of a leadership role. How was that for Henry Toto this year coming in as a first year player at Alabama, and how has he sort of progressed in that role? Yeah, Henry has done a really good job. Uh, he's a good communicator. He's smart. Um, I think he helps everybody else play better up front in terms of his ability to communicate, have good understanding of the defense, what the offense is trying to do, what we're trying to do on on defense to stop it. And I think that's been very helpful to all of our players. Communication on defense is really important in adjustments. And uh, that's one of the things that I think um, Henry has really added, you know, to our group is his ability to communicate and help other people be confident 
and doing the right things. Um, you, you mentioned this being a rivalry game. I know historically it's a great rivalry, rivalry, and um, but Alabama's won 14 in a row, and I know you know you weren't involved in any of those games, but how tough is it to have a rivalry when one team has has won 14 in a row over the other? And, and yeah, how sure. important is it, you know, for you guys to to get a win in this thing? Uh, for us, it's it's really important that we continue to build the the culture and and uh, and build our program. Uh, absolutely, it's important to uh, to get a win uh, in this uh, in this uh, football game and this you know a rivalry uh, between the two schools. So um, you know, but for us, it, it's about controlling the controllables, continuing to grow, continuing to prepare the right way. Our players continue to get better week week by week, and and um, you know this is our next opportunity. But, but do you do you feel like this is still a legit rivalry game given the circumstances? Yeah, for sure. The historic nature of it, absolutely. Uh, hey, hey, Nick, how, how you doing today? Good, good, Bob. Um, how are you? You know, I'm good. You mentioned rivalry game. Josh did too. But Alabama, and I know the historic, you know, nature of this. But but Alabama's won 14 in a row. Can it really be a legit rivalry game when it's that one sided, or is this more of it's another SEC game for you guys? Well, it's you you can say it however you want to say it, but um, it's a significant if you don't have success in the game uh, because it's significant to a lot of people. And what happened the last however many years you talked about will have no impact on this game at all. And the only thing that matters is what happens now. So for now, this week, it's a rivalry game to me, and I hope it is to everybody in our organization. All right, so we all know Nick Saban as uh, the greatest of all time, but you know one thing that uh, he has not let you know the guy doesn't let anything get past him but one thing I think he's has done an outstanding job of is he has let the older fans who really believe that uh, Alabama and Tennessee is aside from maybe the Iron Bowl Alabama Tennessee the best rivalry for the Crimson Tide he has honored that and and hell his team always shows up against the Vols never there's never a letdown so I think he's done a really good job of enforcing that with his team, letting them know what a big game this is for many, many, many in that Alabama fan base, and it shows each and every year. And I was talking about Tennessee pulling off the upset, but uh, at this point, I don't know if it's ever going to happen as long as uh, Nick Saban is down there in Tuscaloosa. And and when he does retire, whether it's uh, this offseason or in a decade – there's a good shot he's undefeated against Tennessee, and that'll probably be one of the one of the top things on his bio, I would imagine, by the time he hangs him up. Next, let's kick it on down to Gainesville. I know the Florida Gators are on a bye, but like I said, there's not a lot. There wasn't much news here in the SEC on Wednesday, but we got some big ones here because four-star linebacker Shamar James decommitted from the Gators. Why is that so big? Position a need for the Gators. Hell, we just saw their – the defense get run all over by LSU. The number 10 linebacker prospect in the country, James is currently rated. He was the highest rated Florida prospect on the board, and it looks like he may be flipping to Georgia or Alabama. Either, I mean, either way, it's bad. It's particularly bad if he jumps to Georgia and Kirby Smart. We talked about Luther Burton going to Missouri. I mean, this is the opposite effect here with uh, fans already pissed off at Dan Mullen. Fans already upset 
that uh, Mullen and his program are not elite recruiters. Now they just lost their highest rated prospect here. And during the uh, coaches teleconference here on Wednesday, Mullen was just peppered with questions about the quarterbacks. Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, where's that thing stand? And he was getting questions about Todd Grantham's status and the direction of his program. I mean, this was an ugly, ugly call, I thought, uh, for Dan Mullen. Have you reopened the quarterback competition? How do you plan to distribute practice reps going forward? Yeah, you know what? We're really fortunate. We have two really good quarterbacks here, and we've played both of them in, when, in every game that, that they've been healthy. Um, you know, so I see us continuing down that path. Okay. Uh, you, what, what words of encouragement, Dan, about the program's direction can you offer fans and recruits right now? I mean, coming off a loss like this, I mean, obviously people are upset and I've seen some decommitments from some top recruits this week. Yeah, I think we're headed in a, in a you know, um, in, a, in a good way with the attitude of the program. Our kids here on the team um, have a great attitude, great focus, the energy we've had at practice. Uh, you know, has been really good. And so, um, you know, I'm pretty pretty, uh, pretty pleased with where the mindset of the guys on the team are right now. Hey, Dan, let me follow up on Edgar's quarterback question. In, in the past, yeah. you've been pretty firm that Emory is the starter. Is that still the case? Um, yeah, I mean, like everything, we're going to – we'll look at everything and we evaluate everything that we do all the time. And, you know, just like at every – it at every spot on the field. So, but like I said, we have, we have both guys have played a bunch. Uh, we've got experience and we're fortunate to have the, the two guys that are, that are, uh, you know, a pretty good combination out there on the field together. Hey Dan, uh, you, you said that you want to, you, you re, you're constantly evaluating everything you do all the time. When, and when, yeah. the question, question, okay. When the question was asked about the quarterback situation, do you, do you plan at this point on starting Emory against Georgia, or are you leaving that open-ended? Uh, well, I'm never going to get into the strategy of what we're going to do in the game. Like I said, we, we played both quarterbacks in every game, and I'm not really going to get into the strategy of when I'm going to play the different guys. You know, and I'm like, what are? I'm not going to tell you what the first play of the game is going to be if that's what you're asking. No, I was just asking if if Emory was going to be under center to start the game. I I haven't set the script yet of what we're going to call for the first play of the game. So, you know, we'll look at that as we, you know, we'll get into the game plan, you know, and like I said, I mean, I, I imagine we'll continue down as long as everybody's healthy. We'll play both quarterbacks during the course of the game, but I'm not going to disclose and be honest with you. We haven't gotten that far into to game planning to know what I'm going to have for the, because you're asking who's going to play the first play of the game, right? So I don't, I haven't got to that part of who's going to play the first play of the game yet. Hi Dan, did you uh, did you make any defensive staff changes this week during the bye week? No. Uh, well, I'm just curious if you did. You know, with when you look at it, how do you explain what they did against LSU this defense? Because it played pretty well before that. Yeah, you know, and so that's what we look at. I mean, the the inconsistencies we've had throughout the course of the season, you know, have been kind of. Uh, that that we're looking at. I mean, you go. We had, we had one game. You know, we 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 went on the road and had 15 penalties, and then the next game we had on the road we had zero. 
And um, so we're just looking at the, the inconsistencies and how do we shore up our inconsistencies to play at a more consistent level. Do you Have you started looking? I mean, Todd Grantham's contract expires in January. Have you started looking beyond, like, is Todd going to be here? Do you want him back in the next year? Or, or do I need to start, start uh, looking for a defensive coordinator? Right now we're looking at getting ready to play Georgia. You know, to be honest with you, that's what we're looking at right now. Um, so uh, I haven't looked at all our coaches' contracts. I'm sure we have – a bunch of contracts are up at some point and uh you know and that's something that we look at kind of after the season when it's more kind of appropriate to do those things and right now it's really preparation and you know we're getting ready in the bye week of evaluating what we've done well uh what we've done poorly how to eliminate some of our inconsistencies get a, a jump start on the game plan for the uh georgia game and and obviously recruiting uh you know some guys heading out recruiting this weekend so at the end of the day, I mean, I understand Mullen is, uh, you know, he's trying to win football games down here. He's not going to give Georgia an edge. But at this point, it's almost like he could do himself some favor here by uh, announcing Anthony Richardson as a starting quarterback because I would have – hell, it doesn't matter what he says. I mean, Georgia's going to be preparing for both of these guys, and you got to assume they're going to believe that uh, Richardson is the starter. And, hell, if they probably want it to be. Emory Jones. So why, I don't know, why not just state the obvious here? Maybe that buys you a little bit of goodwill with your fan base. That's uh, just pissed off at the moment, but I don't know. I mean, he, he could have answered these questions many different ways, but he just decided to avoid it altogether. And um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out down there in Gainesville, but speaking of recruiting, one more update here. Let's jump to Athens. I said the Bulldogs would be fine after missing Luther Burden. Well, they fine. They landed five-star defensive lineman Michael Williams, formally committed to Southern Cal. He's one of the best prospects in the country, the number five defensive lineman, a top 30 overall prospect. And I'm sure Williams is looking there at their front seven and looking at all these monsters on Georgia's defense, just dominating college football and says, all right, I go there. I can be the next in a long line of guys to uh, dominate in Kirby Smart Dan Lanning's system. So, hey, the recruiting machine rolls on, and it's ironic somewhat that uh, Kirby's landed him a five-star while Dan Mullen just lost his highest-rated recruit. That's uh, unfortunately for the Gators, kind of how this battle's been going on the recruiting trail far more often than not. And yet here we got Kirby Smart on the bye week, landed another five-star prospect a day after missing a five-star. And that's why they don't sweat any losses there at Athens because as soon as they suffer a rare one, and I think that's why so many people were surprised because when, when Kirby and George is in it for a five-star, more often than not you expect them to land one. They get some bad news 24 hours later, get some great news. But that's just what we've come to expect from Kirby and company. All right, so that's all we got on the show. Again, a slower day here in the SEC. Cousin Shane, I'll go to his damn house. I'll track this man down if he would not come on for the Picks podcast. I think he's really hurting about this Tennessee Ole Miss. So maybe reach out to him at Big Orange Vols on the Twitter machine. Give him some encouragement. Ask him where he's been. Ask him uh, to get move on from that Ole Miss loss. I, th I think he's, uh, his heart, his Big Orange heart is hurting 
pretty bad this week, but uh, don't give him too hard of a time. But I do appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. And again, we'll be back on Friday with our picks podcast, heading into another weekend of SEC action. But I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging in there during this solo pod. I'll catch you on the next one. Hey, Lane, I haven't been able to get clarification. Maybe you can help me. But but on that play with Matt Corral where he was a strip sack fumble, what did you see? What did you hear? And what, what did the officials tell you? I didn't hear it. I couldn't hear anything from where I was. He heard a whistle blow. So did some of the players. That's why he completely stopped. It was actually a pass. He was going to throw it to Plumlee, who was wide open in the flat for a huge play. Um. And he just stopped because he'd heard a whistle. And so did a number of our players. So strangely then, you know, the refs didn't hear a whistle. So, I mean, there's nothing you can do on that. And also, too, you know, I was looking at turnovers. We talk about turnover margins every week. And it wasn't a turnover, which was strange to me. But then I remember that they ruled him forward progress stop, which um, we're very thankful for that and appreciative um, of that call. So was the whistle that you heard before the snap, is that what they told you? Because they thought the, the play was dead? Yeah, Matt heard a whistle like you know, like you would hear right before the snap, like there had been a false start, delay a game, something. So he just stopped. That's okay. Let the guy take the ball from him. Okay.